<laughs> I would like to apologize. <laughs> I would like to apologize to everyone because the following episodes up until Family Man, mm-hmm. they're going to be old. Yeah. Pre-plague. Yeah. Like November. Yeah. Yeah. So anything that we mentioned pop culture wise or event wise is incredibly outdated. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for bringing out the dead. Well, it's going to be funny because bringing out the dead, gone in 60 seconds are both older. And then we also had done wind talkers in December. We, yeah. And so we give like random updates for that too. So it's kind of going to be all over the place for a minute. Yeah. We'll remind you guys before wind talkers as well that. Yeah. Just negate <laughs> yeah so just a reminder they're gonna they're gonna seem tasty and old because they are throw back if you've been dragged to the sidewalk and being taken pissed blood that's our boy nicholas game what are these fucking iguanas doing on my coffee table <laughs> I kind of burped towards you, so I hope it doesn't smell too bad. This is really freaking me out. Is he? He's just present now. I know. We uh, we have a surprise. I'm, well, I guess by the time this comes out, it's okay. Oh. Well, no, no, no. You're right. Let's keep the surprise. Okay. Let's keep it. We have a surprise for tonight. What's tonight, Marta? Oh! Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. <laughs> um, tonight is Gone in 60 Seconds is hosting our very first live screening and podcast episode. <sighs> what was that noise? I tried to do the okur sound. But, but she's eating yogurt. But my mouth is full of yogurt. So she just went... <laughs> like Chewbacca. <laughs> um, no, so we're hosting our first... Um, First ever live screening of Gone in 60 Seconds. Our namesake. Our namesake. So good. Uh, so that's next week's episode will be um, the last, or like, we're only going to do like 20 minutes or so live, but it's going to be fun. It'll be a treat because we're going to have a bunch of supporters there and we're going to watch the movie out by the pool and then we're going to go inside and talk some stuff. And I got a new Nick Cage shirt I'm going to wear. Oh, hell yeah. And we have a surprise for everyone. The photo opportunities. Yeah. I got something special for the photo booth. It's going to be great. I'm very excited. We're nervous, but we're very excited. Oh, I'm so nervous. What if I accidentally say some dumb shit, but live? Oh, yeah, because we can't edit it. Yeah. It's okay. We won't, because we're not going to really talk about the movie, really. We're just going to talk about our love for Nick. Oh, vibe. Yeah. Because I figure we save the movie part for, like, when we have the guest on. Okay. Yeah. So we can kind of be like, wasn't that great, guys? And then, like, just talk about Nick. Vibe. It'll be, I don't know. We'll, uh, we don't know. We don't know what to play We'll play for. it by ear. Yeah, it's going to be great. We'll see how many people are there. Right. And what kind of mood we're in, but... No, very very exciting stuff. But we're gonna do we're gonna do more of these too. So that's gonna be one of many. Yeah, we're gonna do what Wicker Man. Yeah, like I figured the the ones that people are like, I really want to watch this with you. Ghost Rider. Yeah, okay. Ghost Rider will be National one. National Treasure. National Treasure. Mandy. Wicker Man. Wicker Man. Those are for now, the the definites. Um, but yeah, okay. So, welcome to Gone in sixty seconds. Oh shit! I'm Marta Perillo. and I'm Asia Garman. And this week we have no guest. No guest. We have no guest. We're back to normal. Oh my god. It Just feels for, weird for but a moment. I know. It's kind of strange. Finally we're alone together. I know. It was funny cuz we were supposed to have a guest on this and I was like, "You know what? I'm okay with not having a guest because Oh yeah. I've been really like and and the next two episodes, next three episodes are guests again. So I was like, I'm good for a break. Yeah. It's been really fun having people, but I miss just dicking around with Asia. And also, this movie is kind of weird this week. Yeah, I, it would have been a weird one for a guest. Uh, what is it this week? Bringing Out the Dead. It's a 1999 uh, Martin Scorsese film. And let's see, 86% of Google users likes this movie. I mean, it's a good movie. Like, yeah. it, it was a good movie, but it's it's not like... It doesn't have a lot of rising action to it. The rising mm. action is very, like... It's like when you've been jerking off for a really long time <laughs> and you get close like a couple times, but you're not trying to edge. Yeah. And then you have like the weakest orgasm. Yeah. 
And you're like, yeah. well, I guess I'll stop now. Right. <laughs> and you're like, well, shit, that was so much effort for little to no payoff. Yeah. That's kind of how the movie felt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to <laughs> describe it. Uh, this is actually our last movie of the 90s, which is very exciting. Oh, shit. Nice. Um, then next week is Gone in 60 Seconds, which is we're in the fucking new generation. The Damn. new century. Still untainted by 9-11. Yeah, not yet. It's not. coming though. It's coming. She oh, she coming. Oh lord, he coming. They coming. <laughs> they, they. Uh. I know. I always bring nine eleven up, and I kind, of bring, <laughs> I kind of bring it up like in a jokey kind of way, the same way that everyone's like Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> but like, it really is like everything shifted. Oh, it's a yeah. Like, have you read any of the? Um, there's a whole Wikipedia page actually about all of the media that had to change. Yeah. Because like. There was shit, seriously, like a movie about terrorists, like crashing a building into a plane is supposed to come out in September of oh, 2001. Really? And they were like, oh, we can't, we can't oh, do this. shit. It's too much. Like, I didn't know that. The, like the biggest one or the one I can remember most, at least that everyone posts about is they had to reanimate sections of Lilo and Stitch because oh. the spaceship, you've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. The spaceship, uh, when they're doing the spaceship chase. It used to be they were flying through skyscrapers. Oh, my god! And people were like, oh, no, we can't do yeah, that anymore. No. Well, I mean, um, the second Lord of the Rings movie was supposed to come out that year. Uh-huh. And they had to push it a year because it was called Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Oh, yeah. So they were like, ooh, no. Ooh, bad. Um, but... No, definitely. I mean, because like uh, we in a lot of my classes, I took like a media. Um, it was within radio and television. I took a media class about how media like grew and changed and what media did. Um, you know, within our country and, like, a lot shifted at that time. But then also what was interesting is, like, the last time I was in New York, I went to Ground Zero, and that was, like, a oh. very interesting experience. I've never – sorry. I've never had the opportunity to do that, but I really want to. You would like it. It's – um. I mean, I cried. I was just, like oh, – it sure. was just so oh, – it was just so – the sheer, like – um scale of where the buildings were and just like kind of that area and just like looking at it was just Mm -hmm. like very overwhelming yeah well because we see it on tv but we don't know yeah and it's different than like because i've been to washington dc and i've seen like all of the war monuments Mm. and like the big wall by the washington monument and everything that has all the names of the people who died and like it's vietnam vietnam and all of the other stuff but it's like it's different and i won't go into like the military shit again but a lot of people choose to go into the military. And so mm. that's different than people going to fucking work and die. Well, it's like, it's, I mean, the wall, because I've been to the wall too in uh-huh. Vietnam, or in, Jesus, uh, in <laughs> um, in DC. And it is also very powerful and really, really quiet and but beautiful. But it's just a different But it's kind. a different kind of yeah. admiration because you're paying respects to the people who like put their lives on the line to protect you. Uh-huh. Whereas like, these are civilians on our soil. Exactly. And it's just... It's a very different feeling. They're both like similar feelings, but it's definitely it's yeah. uh it's interesting. And it's cool because then there's people like there also that are sorry, we're like so far from the movie, but this is I'm interested in this topic. So Although I will sidestep and say, not that far. It's no, about not a that par- far. it's about a paramedic in New York. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's it's it definitely brings up I don't know. Nine Eleven's just been coming up a lot and it's been interesting just like looking at it because it's been so it's been so long ago, but also relevant in what we've been watching because we're coming up on it because yeah. we we've, we've been reminded of what film and hollywood was like before yeah through this journey of nick so and then it's like oh no we can't um we can't make the rock again <laughs> right no definitely not um so anyway so this movie uh came out in october 22nd of 1999 uh martin scorsese let's see Misa. you want to you want to read it Huh? Yeah, sure. Here's a synopsis. I want you to be confident. I want you to feel good about it. I think I'm getting sick. Uh Uh-oh. Let me look at your throat later. Because I'm getting everybody fucking sick. (laughs) Everyone came to me at the office yesterday and were like, will you look at my tonsils? No, I feel mucusy. Oh, okay. Um, After a disheartening and haunting career wears him down, New York City paramedic Frank Pierce, played by Nicolas Cage, begins to collapse under the strain of saving lives and witnessing deaths. 
Through the course of a few nights, three co-workers, John Goodman, Ving Rhames, and Tom Sizemore, accompany Pierce as he grasps for sanity and pushes to be fired. Before Pierce falls off the edge, he still has a hope when he forms a friendship with a victim's daughter, played by Patricia Arquette. Fuck, yeah. Thank you. Um, Moment of silence. (laughs) I guess we'll do this before we get in. What do you think that the budget for this was... Um, Last week's eight millimeter was forty million. The week before, Snake Eyes was seventy three million. I'm gonna guess seventy eight mil. That's fair because Scorsese, nineteen ninety nine, it was thirty two million. Damn, it was it was lower than eight millimeter. Really? But I guess if you think about it, like they're not doing crazy stuff. No, they're not. The, I mean, they. The only reason I was putting that into consideration is because they fucking smashed that ambulance. <gasps> oh yeah, yeah, that was. Awesome. And so what do you think it profited? I bet it didn't do very well. Um, let's say 50. So it actually... Did it do really well? It did really terribly. Oh, really terribly. It made uh, $16.8 million, so it lost $15.2 million. Oh, damn, dude. Yeah, that sucks. Especially because like, for like... At this point, Martin Scorsese had already done, like, Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah. And, like, he's already, like, it's 1999. Well, he's, and this... Like, Goodfellas, I feel like, already's out. Yeah, Goodfellas is out. And also, Casino came out this year. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, I mean... Maybe it just got overshadowed. Yeah. And but also, like... It's not, like, about the gang members. It's, like, about a normal, quote, guy. Yeah. So there's not as much appeal. Yeah, that's true. It's not it's not that normal gangster that we're used to when it comes to Scorsese films at this time. Yeah. So I I was telling Asia before we started, um, I think the reason that I I I do I do think I I didn't give a fair I should probably rewatch it at some point. I'm just not really interested in doing that anytime soon. And I think it's partially like I just want I'm really excited about Gone in 60 Seconds, so I think that didn't help because I know I was like, well, we're just one away and we're yeah. going to do this event and all this stuff. But um, but also Asia pointed out, and I think you're absolutely right, the uh, similarities between this and The Machinist. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. And like the whole like insomnia idea and like even how his face looked like sunken and like tired. Oh, and the like heavy ass like fluorescent lighting. So much. Yeah. The like heavy contrast, like the fluorescent lighting mm-hmm. is very, very like almost grainy. That's how cold it felt. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason that I definitely checked out in this movie because The Machinist is like traumatic for me just mm-hmm. because... Nothing in particular, just that movie made me so upset and, like, depressed watching it. Yeah. I remember watching it, like, in my basement in a sleeping bag, like, The Machinist, and I own it on DVD, and I've never watched it again. I was like, it's a great movie, great concept. I just was, like, so fucking depressed watching it. So that this movie kind of made me feel that way, so that's why I wasn't that in tune with it. Yeah, for sure. But I did think it had a really good concept, and, like, it is fun to see him and Patricia Arquette, even with her weird-ass fucking hairdo. Oh, bad. It was, like, dyed on the top, but, like, looked like it wasn't on purpose. Like It was, like, it looked like... Okay, so Patricia Arquette plays an ex-junkie mm-hmm. whose father has, like, a heart attack, I think? He's in... Yeah, he's in cardiac arrest, and it's actually the first... Um, the first call that Nick goes on as the paramedic. Yes. So it's, like, the very beginning of the movie. Yes. And it looks like she's... They're in a, like a shitty part of New York, and and uh, there's like drug addicts and people mm-hmm. with mental illness and homeless people, etc. And it looks like her hair has been dyed black at one point. Yeah, and then she just let it grow out. Yeah, but like it looks like she dyed it black herself. Yep. So not only is there like hella like four inches of roots at the top of just yeah. normal blonde hair, but it's also, like, super patchy in the black parts, yes, it too. Is. Yeah. Like, the blonde's showing through, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, an interesting choice. <laughs> but it was it was funny, because when we were watching it, you pointed that out. You were like, it does really look like she did it with, like, box dye in yeah. her apartment. She and probably then, did it herself. It, she probably did to, like, add to the character, because it did it did make it work. Um it was fun to watch them though because I don't I can't, I don't know the timeline of their marriage but I'm assuming that this is when they met and started dating and started like working together and yeah, yeah. like they formed the bond the bond I think Asia paid a lot more attention to like the film itself and like the construct of the film so I'm interested to hear kind of what what things about it 
stood out to me yeah. as someone who was like like watching it. Yeah, <laughs> I was watching it definitely. I just definitely was like, I don't yeah. care. Well, and you were I was working, working too. too. So, and it was it's definitely like a really beautiful movie. Um, it's one of those Martin Scorsese movies. I think you pointed out uh, he did the Last Temptation of Christ. This is actually the same <clears throat> screenwriter as that. Oh, it is. Yes. Oh, okay. Um. And of Raging Bull and, like, a couple of other Martin Scorsese movies. So it's, like, a long-time collab- collaboration dealio. And it's much more about, like, a character study rather than a story, which is why there isn't really, like, a three-act. The only reason there's a three-act structure is because we go across three nights of him working. Yeah. But what, and what's interesting is each night, I didn't really realize this, like I knew it, but I didn't think about it. Uh-huh. Each night he's with a different partner. So it's yeah. an entirely different like vibe yeah. of what the night's energy brings. Yeah. It's more like a, a sort of, oh, damn, what's it, what is it, Odysseus? Like a, a hero's journey type thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so oh, much. Oh, Odysseus? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Ulysses? I don't know. Um, But it's more of like, him resolving something in himself mm. with the background staying the same rather than like you have a really strong character who is battling through the world. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And honestly, it's interesting because I think a lot of the films that we've seen so far and up until this point is him being like an external hero in the sense where it's like, like you said, like active in the world and doing things or yeah. whatever. And obviously a paramedic's active in the world, but it was like a lot more internal. So it was interesting for him not to be like the hero character that he's been playing recently. Mm-hmm. I actually, this is kind of a sidestep, but I just looked it up. Actually, in April of 1995, that's when Patricia Arquette and Nick Cage got married. So oh. they were married during this film. And shortly after the film, they separated for nine months, and but acted as a couple in um, public for image and then nick filed for divorce in february of 2011 so like shortly after this movie came out like within six months they were like bye 2001 or 2011 oh i'm sorry did i say 2011 2000 february 2000 damn yeah that sucks and then she got engaged to thomas jane in 2002 so a couple years later good for her and there we go and so she found she bounced back sorry and then started medium and then started escape from danamora Yes, and Holes was in there somewhere. <laughs> Holes was actually first. Kissing Kate Barlow. <laughs> My gal. Baby. Look at I, how cute they are, though. I can fix that. It's so funny looking at young, hot Patricia Arquette, because I told uh, one of my coworkers, I was, he was like talking about Escape from Dana Moore. I was like, you know who she once like looked like, like or like what she looked like? And he was like, no. And I showed him that. He's like, what the fuck? And I was like, oh, yeah, she was a fox. Yeah. And she's taking on some real intense roles now. Yeah. But was she in the act? Who was that? That was her. That was her. That was Patricia Arquette. God, yeah, she's really just like cashing in on growing old. Yeah, she is. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's actually the main thing I I wanted to say about the movie. Uh, why I I don't know if, if you it did really anything for you because it really mm. didn't do that much for me either. It was just a really pretty film. Mm. Um, is that it? In the last couple of movies and throughout the 90s, any other time it would be about a character navigating through, like, the hellish world of, like, low-income New York. Yeah. It would be less about him, like, struggling with it and more about him, like, interacting with that world. Yeah. And this one, it was very much like, oh, I'm, like, doing my day-to-day tasks again. There's Noel in the hospital again. Like... It, it serves as a backdrop rather rather it serves as a backdrop rather than a motivator for the story yes yeah I think um what's interesting also about since he's got this lack of sleep and he's like traveling through New York on these endless nights he's like sick of working he's just burnt out and he's also like haunted by the memory of people he couldn't save so he's like literally whether they're hallucinations within his mind or he's actually like tapping into seeing dead people, he's seeing like the ghosts of the people who've died within, um, you know, his daily routes. And there's one woman in particular that he's like haunted by. And it was like a young teenager, right? Yeah. She's a homeless teenager who died of an (laughs) asthma attack. Yeah. And he like couldn't save her on a call. And he's like, so he sees her face in everybody pretty much. Yeah. Um, But I just, I did really, really like the idea of him like being at this level of like 
that he can't that he's almost delusional to the point of like hyster- not not hysteria but um like hallucinating yeah and so there therefore that becomes like a part of his day-to-day life is like seeing these people and then it's interesting because then when you're watching the movie you can't really tell who until the end you can't really tell who he's seeing is like supposed to be like a ghost haunting him yeah. and who's like actually just like a person on the street who looks ghostly because they're like living in like shambles and filth and blah, blah, blah. So I did like that. That was kind of fun because then it kind of played with our, if we're watching through his eyes and he's not really credible. It's like an unreliable narrator type situation. So that was definitely cool. Like I I really liked the concept of this film. And then each, each of the characters, like for each night, like the first night's John Goodman. Yeah. Who's like, Ah, oh, dude, just need to like drink your sorrows away. Like, we need to go get some fucking dinner. Like, I'm oh, hungry, yeah. and he's just very like, oh, we gotta walk up all these stairs. There's never any elevators in New York. Yeah, like, he's just like a fat slob type deal, and he's like yelling at the patients and stuff. Like, he's just very like, I hate my job, yeah. but I'm doing it, and it's like whatever because it's the graveyard shift they're working. Oh yeah. And and which also plays into the whole fact of like nobody's up except for like horrible things happening. Um, and then his second night was it Ving Rhames? Yeah, it's Ving Rhames, and he's overly religious, so he's like trying to like cure people at the hospital, very like preacher style. And he's like, Lord, <laughs> dude, I actually love that part because it they, was good. They get called to like a goth club, and I don't remember one of the backdrop or not backdrop. One of the like subplots is that there's this new form of like heroin going around called like the red death that's really deadly to people who use it Mm. and they're just people who usually do heroin have been doing that instead and it's like fucking with them right and so they get called to this goth club because some kid has overdosed on it and like him and ving rames are in the corner whispering like Oh, it's like a heroin overdose. Like we're we're gonna pump him full of these like amphetamines or whatever to wake his heart back up. And in the meantime, Bing Rames goes like oh, to, yeah. to his friends, and he's just like, "We're gonna bring Frankie back from the dead." Oh <laughs> yeah, they're, like all high and shit in this club. And <laughs> he's like, "Join hands," and he's like, "Lord, please help us to bring this Frankie back." As like Nick Cage is like subtly injecting. Him <laughs> oh yeah, that was with, fun with the I antidote, and he just comes back up like. <clears throat> And everyone's like, oh, my God, how did he do it? And he's like, praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. (laughs) That was actually really fun. It was very um, theatrical performance by Ving. And it was interesting because I feel like this is the first movie we've seen where Ving Rings has hair. So I almost didn't even recognize him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He has like an afro. Dude, and fucking Queen Latifah is the dispatcher. Oh, yeah, we never see her. But they're like, they, because it's a different dispatcher every night, too. Like, the voices are different. And one is Queen Latifah, and the other one's Martin Scorsese. Oh, was he both other nights? He's the guy. Oh, the guy one? Yeah. Um, That's so funny. The Queen Latifah one is funny because it's like her and Bing have this, like, flirt going on. Mm -hmm. And he's always like, oh, baby, where are you sending me? She's like, shut the fuck up. And I'm like, oh. And Asia turned to me, and she goes... Who does she sound like? Or she was like, who is that? Why does it sound familiar? And I was like, oh, because it sounds like Queen Latifah. It's just like, oh, it is Queen Latifah. <laughs> that's why. I was like, that's why she sounds familiar. Um, and then the last night is his former partner who's like really violent and takes like pleasure in picking up people who are in pain and dying and like mocking them. Oh, right. And like particularly Noel, the character I mentioned earlier, who like has i don't know some kind of like mental illness but he's also a drug addict and he ends up going into the hospital like every night and they have to like time to the bed frame or whatever because he's freaking out and like begging for glasses of water um oh really quick what's interesting about noel's character is that he actually like grew up with patricia arquette's character yeah yeah um they're like childhood friends and she's like Noel used to be normal, and then he had, like, a seizure or something, and now he's, like, fucked up. Right. Someone beat him up, and he got a brain injury, basically. Right. And um, this third paramedic has it out for him, and they actually end up beating him, like, at the end of the movie. Yeah. Like, really badly. Mm -hmm. Because at what point was the ambulance crash? That was during Ving Rhames, because after they, like, leave the club, Ving Rhames is like, let's get fucked up. Oh, yeah. And so they just start, like, drinking and, and hooting and hollering. And then, oh, yeah. And Ving Rhames, like, fucking flips the ambulance on his side. 
It was so, it came out of nowhere. Yeah, we were and both they like, hit Hello? so hard. Yeah. They like hit a parked car and the fucking thing flies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nick just gets out and is like, I don't want to play anymore. And like walks yeah. away. Bing Rams is like standing out because it's on the side. He's like standing out the car window. And he's like, where are you going, man? He's like, I'm done with this shit. Yeah. He like, just leaves him. And he fucking comes into work the next day and is like begging his boss to fire him. And his boss is just like, I keep telling you I'm going to fire you, but I just can't bring it in myself. I can't bring myself to fire you. Yeah. He's also like, no one wants this graveyard shift. I can't fire you yet. Yeah. <laughs> The whole time he's like laughing about it. It's kind of weird. It is funny. It was like it was it was an interesting dynamic between the two of them. Um, how did this movie end? Basically, while Nick is like struggling with like all this guilt and everything and not being able to save Rose, that the homeless asthma attack girl. Yeah. Um. He is also like befriending and keeps bumping into patricia arquette whose husband is now or her not husband whose father she's been estranged from but now he's hospitalized because he keeps like coding they like resuscitate him like 12 times i think yeah and that's the this is why we came here moment i think maybe maybe when he's trying to bring him back maybe he's like die oh fuck (laughs) anyways go ahead (laughs) but uh so he bef- he kind of befriends Patricia Arquette, who is having, like, a lot of guilt herself because she's, like, been estranged from her dad and, like, hates him. And so she goes to this, like, crack house mm. that she used to go to because she's, like, oh, yeah. a, a reformed junkie or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's kind of nice in there. Like, who's that actor? He was just oh, in uh, Dr. Sleep. Um Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I forgot. Oh, I forgot about this whole scene. Oh, my God. I forgot about yeah. him. Okay. Because um, this is, like, honestly the most, one of the, like, prettiest parts of the movie. Yeah, I think is. this is the this is why we came here moment. Uh, what what was happening? So, basically, he goes to this crack house, and she does drugs, and they have beds set aside. It's Cliff Curtis. Cliff Curtis. Yeah. So that you can do your drugs and then go lay down and go to sleep or whatever, and frank slash nicholas cage is just like i gotta take her out of here she shouldn't be here she shouldn't be doing these drugs and they're like whoa whoa, whoa. dude you gotta chill a little bit like how about you take some drugs yeah so he takes some drugs and he has this whole like not hallucination but it's almost more like a dream of being out in the street and helping the ghosts out of the ground oh yeah like he's he's pulling these translucent people like out of the ground and it's supposed to be like symbolic for like trying to help people and then it's kind of I kind of liked it because he would help one person and then like they'd be stumbling around on the pavement and then see another person and that person would help the other person yeah it was cool and then we also get to see that moment that Rose dies yeah but in reverse like they they filmed everything in reverse and then like how do I explain this like if you're running forward, they were actually running backwards, and then they played it in reverse, so it looked like they were running. Like, how we could tell is it their movements were kind of weird, but also the snow was falling up. Yeah. But they were walking forward, so you could tell that they did all their actions in reverse, and then when they, like, after they filmed it, they flipped it. Yeah. Because the snow was trippy. That was cool. Yeah. That, I, I fucking love that, that scene. And, that was a good scene. And John Goodman was there, but then he stands up like in the apartment this is why i think it's the this is why we came here moment he stands up like from the couch in the apartment while he's like having this vision or whatever and like a spotlight comes down on him oh yeah and then he starts i think he starts yelling or something like that i think he does because then he like freaks out and like barges back into the room where Patricia Arquette is sleeping and like throws her over his yeah. shoulder and he's like, we're leaving. And then they're like, the two of them are like stumbling around fucked up <laughs> on the street. And he's like, I'm taking care of you. And she's like, not very well. And they're like <laughs> both just like super fucked up. Um, and then he like takes her home. Uh, but but then later with Cliff, um something happened they get a call for a jumper yes is that the night with ving or is it was ving rames there tom sizemore oh it's okay so it's the last night yeah last night they get a call for um a jumper like someone gonna commit suicide and it turns out it's at this place where the crack house was Mm -hmm. and it's not a guy threatening to jump off of the building it's literally because he 
leapt from the balcony of his apartment because some other drug dealers came in and were going to kill them. They actually kill one of the ladies that, that are in there. Yeah. And his big, like, bodyguard cohort and him, like, jump off the balcony. His cohort is, like, this really fat guy. So he just, like, falls straight down and breaks both of his legs. Yeah. And then, what's his name? Cyrus? Oh, the character? Cliff. Uh, Kai Coyote, Coyotes. The character's name is Kai Coyotes, Kai but Coyotes. it's Cliff Curtis is yeah. the actor. Uh, but he's like this really tiny... He's Indian, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. He's he's pretty light, so he actually overshoots it and impales himself oh, on he's the... He's from New Zealand, actually. Oh, really? But I don't know what his ethnicity is. I can't really tell. I mean, it might, he might be indigenous to, to, to the New area. Zealand. Yeah. Kind of like... Uh, Ta- Taki, the guy. He's of the New Zealand Maori. Yeah. So yeah. that's like they're, they're right. Native Americans, but Native right. New Zealanders. Native New Zealanders. I think that's, side note, and we can cut this out. Um, the director of What We Do in the Shadows, I think he's from that area as well. well yeah. Uh, Taiki Watiti. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, but yeah, he overshoots it and actually impales himself on the balcony below. Oh, it's so fucked. And he's just like laying there like, uh, excuse me. He's just like, like, it's it's crazy because how the wire, the, um, the fencing is bent because of how he landed on it. It's like dangling off the building. Yeah. But it's through his body. So he like, they call, they make fun of him. They call him like a shish kebab. Yeah. I was just going to say he got shish kebab by that fence. <laughs> yeah. And doesn't he fall anyways? He almost falls and they pull him up. Oh, Nick. Okay. Nick, he Nick had. Oh, because they didn't. Nick wasn't tied in. And they were like, why weren't you tied in? Yeah. Or no. Nick was tied in. And he wasn't. He's like, why didn't you do that? Yeah. He's like, why didn't you tie in the person who could fall? Um, but it is really nice. And, and it's like the first step in giving Nicolas Cage a little bit of closure because it's the first person he saved in like months. Yeah. And I think that that he, uh, Kai says it too he's like hey you finally did it oh really? congrats <laughs> he's like bleeding he's like, he's like dying he's like got a skewer in him and he's like thank you so much i'm glad i'm proud for you man I'm glad i could help yeah i thought that the the film ended by him helping people out of the ground is that how it ha- ended no so how it ends is that's like his first step towards uh like coming to terms with everything because right. like there's a, there, there's some other stuff I, that I'm leaving out that happens like um on the night with I think it's uh at some point they have to go and get like this athlete who's been shot who dies oh because it's like a gang related thing so that's like really like the undertone for the whole movie um but that last night they also beat Noel mm-hmm. and he ends up going back to the hospital where. Patricia Arquette's dad keeps coding and they keep saving him like over and over and over again. And the whole time that's happening, he's hallucinating that the guy is like, let me die. Oh, right. Just like, let me die. I don't want to live anymore. Like, that's why I keep trying to die. (laughs) Yeah. And so the, that last night he goes back to the hospital and like, switches the monitor like he puts the breathing tube in his mouth and the monitor on his finger and just like quietly lets the guy die yeah and then he goes to patricia arquette's apartment and is like i'm really sorry but your dad has died and she's more or less like it's okay like after you got me from that crack house like i really like came to terms with it yeah and so like the end is them both kind of like oh yeah coming back to terms with like it's weird because, like, on her hand, she needs to, like, come to terms with, like, letting go. And I think in some weird way, like, he realizes that he is more useful as, like, somebody who helps other people even if it doesn't mean they have their relative's life saved. Right. He's still He's still helping them through a hard part in their lives and yeah. helping them, like come to self-realizations and shit like that which something i just taxing but yeah it is so taxing i would never want to be a paramedic or anything like medical related at all it was interesting watching this because my i was telling asia my brother is a fireman in madison wisconsin but for like a year what they have in order to be a fireman you have to be a paramedic first Hmm. 
And so he did this and just watching like the kind of shit that they did. I mean, he didn't do it in New York, but he did it in like Iowa. But watching watching this stuff and just like knowing that like I my brother was a paramedic is just like weird because I'm like, I can't imagine the shit paramedics go through. Um, You were about to say something, though, and I, I think we cut you off. Oh, I think I was just going to say something I really forgot to mention is there's narration in this movie that kind of says something a little bit similar of like, I don't know, it just kind of like leads you through was the whole it movie. Narrating? It's Nick yeah. narrating. Uh, but whatever. I said everything you basically said, I think. so. <laughs> I think you did. You okay. did a good job. Thanks. I, um, yeah, I know we kind of like sped through the topic of this movie, but that's because it was an interesting one where it wasn't, um, it, it felt more like an idea and like an encapsulation of like three days in the life of mm-hmm. type scenario. So it, it didn't feel as as in depth of like the movies that we've had to like explain the plot points because this was more of like a beautiful idea that was like executed. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's like it's a character and we just told you the character. So like get it, over it. <laughs> so g- shut the fuck up. Okay. Um, what, uh, so what do you think that the, this is why we came here moment is, cause I'm like, now I'm having trouble remembering what they were. I mean, I, gen- I know we had some options. I genuinely feel like it was, damn, did he yell at the guy to die? Well, it's, that's just part of, um, it's in the clips of the Nick Cage losing his shit. It's just him like holding the fucking thingies that like jump their heart. I can't uh-huh. remember what they're called. And he's just like, ah, die. Jesus Christ but it's like one really quick thing but I feel like there was something right before that that was much more powerful I mean I really feel like it might be whenever he's like freaking out in the crack den I think you're right because I think I think that was a longer scene too oh it was really long sorry okay so we just rewatched it really quick what do you think Marta so he's basically just freaking out because he does drugs has the whole like Asia was talking about where he has that vision where, you know, it's the the woman's death scene, Rose's death scene, and then also him pulling the people out of the ground. But then it goes back to him in the apartment. He's just got his hands on his head, just going, ah! Ah! and then he's walking through the apartment screaming and like touching the walls to like find his way. Yeah. And throws Patricia Arquette over his shoulder and runs away. I would say this one's pretty decent. Yeah. Maybe like a six and a half. I was going to say six and a half. Oh, yeah. I, um, because it was good and he definitely freaked out, but he didn't say that much. He just yelled. Yeah, definitely. You ever been dragged into the sidewalk and beaten until you piss blood? I still don't know what movie that is and I'm very excited for whenever it happens. Hell yeah. Do you know? No. Okay, good. Butthole. That was like, yeah, like, it's going to be just like butthole. Because when we saw, when we heard the butthole thing, we were like beside ourselves. All right, so... So the movie on the whole? Movie on the whole. It's going to be hard for me because I didn't give it as much credit as it needs. It's okay. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 5.6. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, like, from what I rem- from what I paid attention to and from what I know of the film itself and, like, the story, I probably would have given it, like, mid-fives just because... um. I, I don't really care to rewatch it, but I think it was still better than Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> uh, yeah, it definitely was better than Vampire's Kiss. It's just it just falls into that trap of like, I don't know. He he's not an overly likable character either. You mm-hmm. just feel bad for him the whole time. Mm-hmm. And in that way that the Machinist is different, it's beautiful just like the Machinist. But with the Machinist, it's a mystery. Yeah, you want to know what happens. Also, yeah, that's true. And this was more just like. Look at this guy who's suffering and trying to get past it. Yeah. And in that way, I don't even want to say it's boring. It's just more like. The just mo- more docile. Yeah. The motivation to watch it isn't as pressing. Sorry. Yeah. So. Yeah. That is bringing out the dead. That's bringing out the dead. I would still give it a watch. At least. Yeah. Once. I mean. Especially if you want to like watch. It's clearly a Scorsese movie. I was going to say. We always forget that Martin Scorsese actually is pretty versatile and has a wider net. Yeah. Because he's mostly known for his, like, gangster stuff. But there are, like, I've seen, oh, my God, like, his documentaries are very different. Like, 
He did the last waltz, which is what inspired Spinal Tap. It's about the movie The Band, or like the band, The Band. Mm-hmm. It follows them. So like he's he's actually, and then I mean, Cry- Last Temptation of Christ is very different. You wouldn't expect that to be Martin. Um, so this is definitely one of those. It's like it's interesting to see what other types of movies he puts out. But I have a couple of random things. A couple of things I want to plug. Asia, tell the people that we got to see Laura Dern. Let's talk oh about it. Oh my god, yes. So um, we had fucking gonna plug the Arrow Theater again. You are my favorite theater in Los Angeles. And you're not in Los Angeles, you're in Santa Monica. Right? Egyptian I'm, Theater I'm also good though. Egyptian's oh, good. I gotta, I gotta sign up. Yeah, get it. Um, They keep having these amazing screenings that are just like we obviously went to the willem defoe thing saw the lighthouse last temptation mm-hmm. of christ etc etc platoon what was that third one? Oh, a last, shadow of a vampire oh, shadow of a vampire yeah. uh and then that one was free but we we paid i think it was only like 15 bucks to see laura dern mm-hmm. got to and see that was and it was two films it was double feature yeah double feature and her blue velvet so Laura Dern came out, introduced Blue Velvet, mm-hmm. and then we got to watch Wild at Heart in, again. again in theaters, and it was a film print again, I yeah. think. It was scratchy as fuck, but it was so fun. Dude, and it worked so well with it. It was the first time I'd ever seen Blue Velvet, and like the honestly, I think the only... I've only seen like maybe a couple David Lynch films, and I really have not seen them all the way through. So the only one I've seen all the way through so far has been Wild at Heart. Uh-huh. And Asia's always spoken really highly of Blue Velvet, and that's Laura Dern's 16, and that is her first film ever. Yeah. And it was really, really good. It was really fun to watch. And I'm glad that that one was first, because it's a slower pace than mm-hmm. Wild at Heart. And by the time Wild at Heart came on, it was like late. And we were tired, but we were like, oh, but I got it. I was like, I have to see Nick. Dude, and we freaking bumped into the, like cutest little dude from ontario christian, oh, yeah. christian who was like way fucking hype about david lynch movies and seeing laura dern and just being there and i think that if if he had not have spoken to me we probably would not have stayed no we were talking yeah asia was talking to him because i was like on the way out and i yeah. turned around and asia was still talking and i was like i'm tired but I was really like very excited to rewatch not only rewatch Wild at Heart, but also to see Nick Cage up on the big screen again, like at that age. And dude, their love favorite on screen couple, one hundred one hundred percent. And Willem Dafoe was there again. It's just also nice to know because when we watched Wild at Heart, we talked about how Laura Dern and Nicolas Cage had such wonderful chemistry that they had trouble like getting out of the role i remember us talking about that and so it was really nice to hear her also kind of say it and be like she'll go to europe and or be like walking around in france or something and like people come up to her and i think what she said was people come up to her and go lula taylor oh yeah yeah and she's like oh shit it's just like they they were just so good together yes they are oh and oh and what was great is like she talked about working with nick cage in the movie and what it felt like and I got it recorded mm-hmm. so I posted it on the Instagram I'm sure you guys saw but um that was just really fun because then she started talking about him and then I, I was telling Asia I was like I'm getting so defensive of Nick because somebody was talking about Nick Cage behind me and I was like you don't know him like Honestly, not like me <laughs> it's like it's crazy though because like he somebody asked me recently and I don't remember who it was or where it was they asked me do you really think Nicolas Cage is is a good actor and I'm like, yes, yes, 100 percent. Like, yeah. he's a great actor. And I don't know. I, I know when we first started this, we were like kind of making fun of him a lot, being like, yeah. he does all these movies because he's broke and he has a money problem. But that's not. But, but it's like he really just genuinely loves fucking acting. He just loves the process of creating films and making movies and being a part of that and like playing different roles and like. I was actually defending him to our buddy Sam, who did the Vampire's Kiss episode with mm. us, especially because Sam only has like the image of Vampire's Kiss and then also like National Treasure. Yeah, like yeah. all the things that we kind of like thought originally too. Uh, but I was telling him, I was like, honestly, I, st- I think he's one of the greatest like art makers and creators uh, in Hollywood. Exactly. Yeah. Like he, he like genuinely is there for the experience. Yeah. And I respect the fuck out of that. No, it's fucking amazing. And I'm, I'm like, while we're going to take a moment, and I probably will say this at the event tonight. Yeah. Like, I'm really glad that we've done this. Me too. Because, like, my mind has totally shifted. And I didn't 100%. I didn't know that it was going to be like that. Mm. Like, it has stopped being, like, 
funny. Like, I almost want to, like, go back and watch, like, listen to the Valley Girl episode or something. Because we were just like, oh, look, he's so cute with his fucking tombstone teeth. Bloop, right. bloop, bloop. But now I'm like, that's my fucking boy. I know. I Like, I would die for him. I would die for you, Nick Cage. <laughs> I know. We're, like, looking at him. Because uh, I have pillows and shit everywhere. <laughs> wow, nice save. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we're definitely going to talk more about that tonight because that's part of like what I want to talk about. Yeah. Because like this has just been such a great experience and so much fun, and people like it more than I thought they would. And yeah, you know, people want to be involved, which is great. So it's always exciting. Yeah, I really, I'm like, I'm gonna make my plea for the first time on the live podcast, Nicholas Cage, please. We want to hear it from you. I, dude, everyone, everyone's like, you guys are going to meet him someday. And I'm like, I really fucking hope so. Yeah. I don't know what I'd do. Asia would be able to keep her cool. I don't think I could. I don't know if I would. Really? I'd be like. I feel like you would try and tame it down for both of us because you know I'd be dying. Yeah. Be like, she really loves you. <laughs> She'll take her pants off if you ask. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, I'll be like, they're already halfway down. I'm like, you don't even have to ask. I'm already doing it. And you'd be like, please, ma'am, please. put your pants back on. <laughs> Um, no, Nick would never tell me to stop anything. Um, God damn it. So a couple of things really quick. Uh, just a fun, um, thing that happened this week is one of my, one of the theatrical agents in my office came up to me and was like, have you heard of, I can't remember the management's names. And also I'm not going to mention it anyways for, for, you know, privacy, privacy reasons. Um, but he was like, do you know such and such management? And he's like, have you heard of them? And I was like, I think so maybe and he's like oh yeah he's like I um just got into it with like one of the managers or something because they were just like negotiating something and going back and forth and then he was like kind of pissed at them and he was like I'm gonna see who they even because they they rep a mutual um actor of ours Mm -hmm. and so the agent was like I'm gonna see who they even have on their roster to see they fucking rep Nick Cage oh what and I was like okay so make up with them get me in contact (laughs) how do i meet him god damn it and it's funny because he's like you would assume like i mean obviously he's with caa for like agent but um for representation but like for a management company he's with this specific manager and so it's like cool that i'm even like kind of somehow like coming close to have like a couple degrees away right i'm like i somehow am close enough to be working with that agency or that management company and blah 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 I rep one of the actors that's also repped by. Jesus Christ. Uh, so so that was just kind of random and funny that he came no, in and told me. That's awesome. Um, it's like Nick Cage and somebody else that's notable. And then everybody else on their roster is like, whatever. Um, but also been getting so much, so much fucking um, emails, text messages, forwardings of the new Nick Cage movie that's coming out. Oh, yeah. Everyone's keep hitting, hitting me up about it, too. Everyone's hitting us up, and we're like... I, literally, I say the same thing to everyone. I say, oh, period. I'm so aware. I'm so aware. <laughs> um, we're very excited about it because it's it's Nick Cage essentially playing himself, Lionsgate's doing it. Um, we haven't... They haven't, like, officially announced it yet, mm-hmm. but what the synopsis is, um, I have got to read it because it's too funny. Um, we're so jacked about it. It's like literally all the movies he's coming out with like Wally's Wonderland and like Pig and like shit like that look amazing, sound amazing. Like he said like Ghost, uh, whatever, Ghostland, Prisoners of Ghostland or something is going to be like the cagiest movie ever. But now this is officially the cagiest movie ever. Yeah. This is what they say in Hollywood Reporter. If the deal closes, Cage would star as Nicolas Cage. Um... The character is desperate to get a role in the new Quentin Tarantino movie while also dealing with a strained relationship with his teenage daughter. He also occasionally talks to an egotistical 1990s version of himself who rides him for making too many crappy movies and for not being a star anymore. Sounds a little accurate. Okay. (laughs) Jesus. The Cage character is also under a mountain of debt and finds himself forced to make an appearance at a birthday party of a Mexican billionaire who happens to be a fan of the actor's work and secretly hopes to show him a script in which he's been working. While he bonds with the man, Cage is informed by the CIA that the billionaire is actually a drug cartel kingpin who has kidnapped the daughter of a Mexican pre- presidential nominee and Cage is sequentially recruited by the U.S. government to get intelligence. So that's like just a little bit of 
It says the story is a meta includes nods to Cage work as leaving Las Vegas and Face Off and Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh, that is so exciting. It's seriously sounds like it's made for me in Asia. Yeah. It's like such a boner for all of the things that we love and know about Nick. And now we're going to be able to watch him do this with hopefully like just a computer graph. <laughs> oh, sorry. my God. So sorry. Um, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully uh, it'll be. It's just it's just going to be great. I'm so excited. Uh, it said it has remnants of that adaptation, blah, 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 all this shit. So hopefully that goes through and we get more info on it. But we we are aware and very excited. What was it? There's a spider on you. On me? No, on your cat. Ah, it's not a spider. It's a gnat. Never mind. Get out of here, bitch. Oh, it's a fly, right? It's a gnat. Oh, gnat. They said an ant. I was like, he's flying. <laughs> flying ant. Locusts are upon us. They exist. Um, um, what, what were you talking about? I forgot <laughs> what we were doing. Anyways, that's it. That's all I wanted to talk about. I don't have anything else to share. Nothing. We're going to have so much to talk about in this next episode. We're, very, we're just getting ready because we're going to do it tonight. We're getting amped for it. Um, so... Oh, oh, also, uh, if you for somehow listened to this beforehand, <laughs> tonight we will have a live um, stream going of just the talk part. We're going to do like a live story. Yes. On the Instagram. Hell yeah. So. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Swag. We have social media. What is it? At Gone in Nixty. N-I-C-S-T-Y. Burr. Wait, did I spell it right? N-I-C-S-T-Y? Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seconds. <laughs> That's our Instagram handle. At Ginspod on Twitter. I'm just so terrible at using Twitter. Uh, also, email us at gone in 60 seconds at gmail.com. Oh, actually, uh, really quick. Yes. We have uh, fan mail. From who? Michelle. <laughs> oh, Michelle. Sub sluts. Now that I have ingest, now that I have invested my life into Nicolas Cage along with you, all my random Facebook articles suggest for me are Nick related. So this one uh, saw this one and thought you would like to see what they think his cagiest movies are. Love and butthole, Michelle Margaret McGarry. God damn. I like it. how she wants me to use her entire fucking name. Uh, oh no, not the bees! Nicolas Cage's maddest, most Nicolas Cagey roles. Uh, so according to NME, they've got Mandy 2018, Mom and Dad 2017, which I know nothing about, I but I hear it's amazing. I remember seeing a trailer for it and I really wanted to see it and then didn't end up seeing it. I, I haven't seen the trailer and I know it's kind of in like the horror genre, but everyone's always like, have you seen Mom and Dad? And I'm like, no. Uh, Con Air, Ghost Rider, Season of the Witch, Grindhouse, The Wicker Man, Face Off. Wild at Heart and Raising Arizona. I bet. Those all that's a that's a good compilation of films. Yeah, I like that. I agree with that. Thank you for fan man Michelle. Please someone else fucking write to us. Yeah. I'm really yeah. really lonely over here, so Ah That is Asia's booty. <laughs> and then we're done. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. That might be cool.com. You never know.